Sourcing for Innovation podcast, episode four. My name's Adam Curtis, your host as always. Joining me on this episode is Catalyte CEO, Jacob Shu. Jacob, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Gatlin. Uh, today's topic is co-creation. Our teachers, our parents always taught us growing up that cooperation is the best way to make things happen. This is really a, you know, a deeply collaborative way for uh, companies to, to partner together to create products or, you know, even services at that end, you know, software development where people aren't just throwing something over the wall. They're not just giving parameters. They are sitting down, discussing with the customer or client in mind first, and then sort of working their way backwards to finding a solution that fits the problem. Correct? Yes. I mean, I think that what what's happened is that as Digital has really kind of transformed the way that companies think about IT and software. You know, you're really kind of seeing that every industry is becoming a technology industry. And what's happened is that uh, co-creation really is just a, a much more collaborative way of building software. It starts fundamentally at really starting with the user, right? So today, when you're building a product versus a project, what you're trying to do is that you're trying to build things that are going to be engaging to your end users. Uh, the people who are touching that software, that's where you actually need to start. And what that means is that, you know, it's fundamentally different from the ways that companies used to create software. You know, it used to be that you'd start with a specification, you'd start with requirements. And so you would have some predetermined end state that you were trying to build towards. The reality today is because things are moving so fast uh, and because things are constantly changing, most companies do not actually know what the end state should be. And nor should they, actually. I mean, I think today the rise of Agile is creating this new method in which case companies are exploring while they're building the product. In fact, some of my uh, old technology companies, you know, used to say uh, the product is the spec, right? So to some extent, what's happening is that you're starting building uh, software without a clear idea what the end state is, but actually starting with, you know, what the user really wants and actually with a set of objectives and goals that we actually have for engaging that user. Now, this is not the easiest thing and a little bit nerve wracking, I know, for a lot of organizations because it is such a seismic shift to go into something not knowing what the heck's going to come out of it at the end. So how do you get over that that mental hurdle and go from, I know this is probably a complete other conversation, but to go from a little bit that waterfall to that agile mindset and then how to actually work with someone during that transition. Yes. Well, I think it starts with the fundamental understanding that almost all software now that's kind of reaching an end user should really be thought of as a product versus a project. Right. So, you know, what's really changed in my mind, actually, sure, of course, there's the rise of mobile, of big data, of the cloud. But actually, what's happened is that consumer tastes have changed. Right. So today, because of the explosion of, you know, mobile devices and just the consumerization of a lot of IT, you know, my 70-year-old mother knows what good and bad software looks like. You know, my four-year-old knows what good apps and bad apps look like. So, you know, the tastes have changed. And what that actually means is that uh, you know, when you're building a new piece of software that's going to be used by your end users, by your end customers, it needs to be a product, right? Meaning that it needs to continuously change, it needs to innovate, it needs to be refreshed, it needs to be updated. 
right? So what happens when an application today doesn't get updated? Well, it gets deleted. It doesn't get used anymore, right? So I think that's sort of been a, a big shift in just how we think about software and how traditional IT organizations are, are, are now uh, creating new services. Uh, what it also fundamentally means is that when companies are partnering, it's, it becomes even more important that companies partner with external partners to actually co-create the products and services. Because first, no one company has all of the skills and insights that they need to actually uh, uh, really understand the end user and the, cons and the, the end consumer. Also, there needs to be sort of this value of sort of joint exploration. Right. So uh, really being able to understand that, you know, first, by working with, a, with, with an outside partner, you're able to get insights and tap into expertise that you would otherwise not have. Um, but also, more importantly, is that, you know, because the world is changing fast, you know, user tastes are evolving very quickly all the time. There's disruptive competition everywhere. Um, all that points to having to have a much more flexible and adaptable uh, uh, product orientation to building things, simply because you know, the traditional way of building something where you actually start with the end state, you start with sort of this idea of what your end product looks like. Well, the reality is in six months, things change so fast in this industry now that by the time you actually have built what you thought you needed to build, the market probably has changed. User tastes have probably changed. So you need a much more fa a faster iterative approach. And that's the reason why you see the rise of Agile, you see the rise of DevOps, uh, just this concept of continuous integration, continuous development. Um, and, you know, it, these are all sort of fundamental concepts that came out of the R&D and product engineering world, right? It's really about taking an R&D approach to building products versus taking a traditional sort of uh, system integration approach to IT. There's two points there I want to, to, to really focus on here for a second. The, first of all, this idea that maybe it's not just you co-creating with a partner, but there you also, in some respects, co-creating with your end users. You are getting their feedback, hopefully at the beginning of a product, and then continuing it throughout the lifetime of that product to constantly iterate and to make it better. So the co-creation goes beyond just the people making the software, it goes to, as you said, your, your, your mom or your kid or whoever else using the software too, right? That's right. I mean, so that's why you see sort of the rise of essentially, uh, you know, user experience experts, you know, the why you see the rise of user research uh, is that, um, you know, it really comes down to deeply understanding what your users and consumers and consumers really want. That being said, I mean, it's not like, you know, Steve Jobs famously did not use focus groups and, you know, if you ask a consumer what they want, they can't really articulate that and tell you. So the trick of it actually is to be able to actually create uh, a very minimum minimum products that you can actually put in front of people to really gauge how they're interacting, how they're using things, and whether or not it's really engaging or not. So this whole concept of the minimum viable product, which is really something that became very popular a few years ago, really, again, is, is, is sort of a very fundamental uh, kind of goes back to what I would consider like the old scientific process, right? Which is, you know, you have a hypothesis and you test it, right? And then you update that. So it's really this build, measure, learn loop that's kind of been created still goes back to sort of getting frequent, uh, you know, testing things with end users frequently. So even now when you're building uh, uh, new products, we're trying to actually get user feedback you know, f across sprints, right? From sprint to sprint, and even during a sprint, we may actually be bringing in end users to actually test out ideas. Those are the type of things that actually determine what new features to get added into the next release. So the idea, again, is actually to, to get real-time 
uh, market-based, data-based, kind of reality-based feedback from people versus having sort of people in, you know, product managers or people in lab coats kind of guessing at what the end users want. Yeah, that that feedback from the actual um, using public, I think, is so important. And also, it ties into the other thing you said that you not one not one company sort of has the knowledge base for everything, and to bring in maybe industry knowledge from outside perspectives to give you that advantage. I know we were talking before this, and you mentioned, you know, the gamification of a lot of things. So consumers now have an expectation of how to interact with companies that is almost universal across the board. That is an insurance company. That is, you know, your cable company. That is, uh, you know, McDonald's or fast food or The Gap or whoever. They want the experience with all those to be the same regardless of what industry you're in. So if you're in one of the industries that had been more traditional, you're having to play catch up even faster to get to that point where you are interacting with someone as they would in any other facet of their life. That's exactly right. So as I like to tell, I mean, you know, if you're an insurance company and you're building, for example, a patient experience application, well, you know, how are your users going to be judging how good that software is or how well built it, it was crafted? Well, they're, they're, they're comparing you to Facebook, right? They're comparing you to Instagram. They're comparing to the apps that they use every single day. So again, that, the, the tastes of what your end users um, are, are kind of viewing things really is being informed by the best software out there. So that's why, again, I think every, tech, every industry is essentially becoming a technology industry. So every IT organization needs to almost start to build its own R&D muscles to be able to do this, to, to be able to compete at that level. Now, that's the big question is how do you do that? How do you go from being very traditional in an industry where you could push now you have to create software that is in conversation with your end users. Well, that's a great point, Adam. I, so today, one of the key success ingredients needed to actually build engaging software is that you need to have much more multidisciplinary teams. So people who are coming and looking at the problem from different perspectives. This actually is another reason why having a co-creation partner is so important is because no one organization has all of the expertise and insight that they need to be successful. Uh, so, you know, finding a partner who actually has new ways of looking at the problem, who can bring in insights from outside of the industry, outside of sort of the day to day of that organization. So, for example, uh, many, you know, a lot of apps today, you know, we try to bring people who might have expertise in gaming right into that right so it helps you to create much more engaging experiences and structure structure software that actually can 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 really kind of bring people along you know in in, in that experience uh, you know more and more of uh, of the problem today actually is finding the right insight and if actually if when you when you come across you know when you start building these multidisciplinary teams one of the first things that you come to appreciate is that ideas and insights can come from anywhere so it's not that, you know, you're a VP or you're a CTO or, you know, you've got all the insights. The reality is that insights today can come from anywhere um, in that organization. Secondly, I think another important point to make about that is that, uh, you know, a lot of the insights that come that really kind of become breakthroughs on a lot of these engagements that we've worked on usually come from sort of the melding, the intersection of different ideas. So as I said, you know, for example, healthcare and gaming, you would actually get some amazing insights, especially when you take people who are not from the healthcare industry, but actually can bring some gaming insights into that, right? Or for example, um, you know, I think the very famous example, you know, Apple, I think their whole 
whole mantra at the time was they were an intersection of, of, of essentially, you know, technology and humanities, right? So I think that that's a big sort of aspect of innovation. A lot of the breakthrough innovations that you sort of see in this market really come from this mixing, this intermixing of ideas, this intermixing of backgrounds, um, people who are approaching and looking at problems from different perspectives. And that's kind of one of the things that really kind of starts to drive that innovation. It's not really a process-driven innovation. It's really an innovation that comes from pulling together the right collection of people um, who bring different insights and expertise to the team, um, and then getting them to work together in a mutual exploration, um, to kind of work together to kind of solve a problem. And I think that leads towards, again, the agile mindset, the team mindset, because you're doing something where you have to have that level of both um, learning and trust. If you're bringing someone in who doesn't share your way of doing things but can help you get to a better state in the end, that's hard to do if you just do it at a large macro level with you know hundreds, thousands of people. It's a lot easier to do when you have a team of five, ten, and you're working on different projects to then sort of build up that uh, memory muscle, if you will, within an organization. Yeah. And I'll tell you, so one of the things that I sort of always look to in terms of seeing how innovative a company is, is frankly how inclusive they are in terms of team members. So one of the things I've noticed, like, for example, um, there are many very well-known big brands out there who you know, clearly are very innovative. But um, when they actually start building, pulling, you know, building teams, you actually start to realize, well, hey, if this team, everybody on the team actually looks the same, talks the same, has comes from the same background, you know, we're all sort of, you know, educated or done, you know, who came up the same way, most likely you're going to come up, you're not going to have a great outcome, right? If anything, you want to have diverse teams and diverse, not from just sort of external standpoint. I'm not, I'm not talking about gender or ethnicity. I'm actually talking about diversity of thought and insight, right? You want to find people who are looking at problems in different ways um, and, and giving them, you know, roles on, 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 on these projects. That's one of the ways that you can actually really try to get some really interesting innovation coming out of these, uh, coming out of these engagements. Yeah, that diversity really also helps sort of stave off groupthink where everyone is coming up with the same idea, or excuse me, the same solution to the same problem over and over again, and also confirmation bias. If you go in thinking you know the answer to it, that's probably the answer you're going to come up with in the end, but it might not be correct in any way, shape, or form. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you know what, and you know what, I've seen this over and over again. That uh, you know, a lot of companies go through the motions of you know, let's build a, let's do some design sprints, and let's go do these. But when you start, when you put put the team together, and it's all the same kind of people who came in the same organization, they end up building what the boss wants <laughs> or what they think the boss wants. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that's just the I think the reality of human nature that I've sort of seen in in sort of organizations. So again, oftentimes having this co-creative partnership with uh, with an external partner to help you to catalyze some of this work is a real enabler of innovation, right? Because it enables a lot of companies to really kind of kickstart that breakthrough, break, breakthrough thinking in terms of uh, kind of building the next generation products. So you bring in sort of the diversity of thought. You have the co-creation partners who might be from sort of outside your space. You bring in the end users to give their perspective to it at the beginning. And all this is sort of in an R&D setting, which leads to, I know one of your favorite phrases you use a lot, the collaboratory. Explain a little bit what you mean when you say collaboratory and how that brings in sort of everything we just have discussed so far. So we have a concept called the collaboratory, uh, which is essentially our way of engaging with our clients in a co-creative manner. So uh, one of the things that we do that's very unique in this market is that we can deploy full 
independent, fully independent, agile teams, right? So fully formed teams that can actually hit the ground running with our clients in a co-creative way. We actually prefer to co-locate them with our clients either on-site or near, very close to them, simply because we believe proximity is a big enabler. Um, you know, you want to have the team syncing up, right, versus sort of reporting to each other and having formal communication. It's much better to actually have teams that are close in proximity so you can actually have almost like a real-time syncing that happens across the team. Um, but it's really important that, um, you know, our teams are actually able to be deployed, you know, on-demand, on-site, co-located with our clients, and they're able to run independently. And the idea is that we are co-creating things with our clients. So we can put together a full team um, from architects to scrum masters to project managers to, of course, the full development teams, test teams, even DevOps teams, um, to basically support that whole uh, 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 engagement with our client. And the idea, again, is that we can catalyze a lot of innovation and change and actually really drive performance in terms of getting products built uh, by working in that kind of deeply collaborative, co-creative co way with our client. So with that, there's no prescribed answer you're coming out with at the end. You're going in there with an open mind as long as, you know, the client has an open mind as well. We're going in to create a solution. You might have an idea of what that is at the beginning. We get something down on paper, and then we iterate from there until we come up with something that is going to be agreeable to all parties involved, not just us, not just you, the users, anybody who might be involved with this or touching it at any point along the way. That's right. And oftentimes what we try to bring, so our our clients, what they're bringing is they're bringing their teams who have domain expertise, really understand the industry, who understand the context. What we try to do is we actually bring teams that first are very diverse in the sense of they're very diverse in terms of how they think about problems. Oftentimes our teams are going to be very much multidisciplinary teams. You may have developers who were musicians, who were artists, who come from a hardcore science background. Uh, you know, the idea is actually to mix it up so that people are actually coming in who developers and, 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 and technology teams that actually have diversity of backgrounds coming in to kind of look at a problem a different way. Um, and we try to bring, you know, uh, just that different level of insight. So when you actually bring together teams from Catalyte and kind of be a, build a co-creative relationship with us, partnership with us, it enables you to kind of very quickly jumpstart that, 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 that sort of getting interesting insights from people who are looking problems at different ways, and you're getting sort of that sort of ready to go, uh, sort of uh, uh, proven performance of a software development team, right? So a team that can just crank out and execute you know, like a SWAT team would just kind of go in there and solve that problem, but also bringing that sort of insight and bringing sort of new ideas to the table that can really jumpstart some of these uh, uh, the, these breakthrough innovations. Yeah, you mentioned bringing in, you know, artists or musicians. It sounds a lot, um, to use an analogy, like jazz to maybe the waterfalls sort of classical music style. So classically, you had one person up front directing everyone. It was written down, here's what you do, here's what you play, here's how you play it, I will tell you. Whereas this is much more, hey, let's get together and jam. And at the end, it's going to be something that is going to be greater than the sum of just the parts going into it. That's exactly right, right? So no jazz song ever sounds exactly alike. <laughs> you know, even though they may be playing the same song, it's going to come out differently every single time. And, you know, what's great about that analogy you just made is that it's very much analogous. I mean, symphonies, People are following the same sheet music. It probably sounds fairly similar across generations. Uh, and you got a conductor kind of making sure everybody kind of stays, you know, plays when they're supposed to play. A jazz band, it's much more of a co-creative relationship. You're riffing off of each other. 
right? And you know that gr- that awesome set that you did tonight could have come from anybody on that team, right? On in that band, it could have been the pianist tonight, it could have been the bassist another night. You know, it really comes to how do you harness a team to really kind of riff and jam with each other. And the audience participation. I mean, you can change stuff on the fly in jazz, given that oh, I think we're losing the audience. You know, the <laughs> user experience isn't there. Let's play something different. Let's 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 you know play this song. Let's play that song. It's something up in the middle. Whereas exactly. again, classical, you're you're sitting there, you're quiet, and you you clap at the end, and then you go post a bad review somewhere because you didn't enjoy it. There's no chance to <laughs> offer your own feedback during the middle of the performance. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, Jacob, thanks so much for joining us today on Co-Creation. We'll talk to you again next time. Appreciate it. Thanks.